Our loving Father in heaven, we are grateful to you for giving us this wonderful privilege to be among the living. Praise, glory, honor, and adoration be unto your name, O Lord. We thank you, Father, O Lord, for granting to us the necessities of life. Thank you for the air we breathe. Thank you for the water we drink and the food we eat. We are grateful for these things. We also thank you for the spiritual blessings that you give to us in that you have granted to us the gift of your spirit. And we also thank you for the work that is done on our behalf by the whole heaven to see that we are saved. Today, once again, Lord, we come before you and we ask, bless us with spiritual blessings. As we gather together, you said where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in their midst, Lord, please fulfill that promise now. Grant to us more fresh drafts of your spirit. Give us understanding and lift us up to heavenly places with what we'll be reading. Put your words in our mouth that we may speak things that will be a blessing to all who would listen. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Our high calling, February 20, our great exemplar. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 I present before you the great exemplar as really did he meet and resist the temptations of Satan as any of the children of humanity. In this sense alone could he be a perfect example for man. He subjected himself to humanity to become acquainted with all the temptations wherewith man is beset. He took upon him the infirmities and bore the sorrows of the sons of Adam. He was made like unto his brethren. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. He felt both joy and grief as they feel. His body was susceptible to weariness as yours. His mind, like yours, could be harassed and perplexed. If you have hardships, so did he. Satan could tempt him. His enemies could annoy him. The ruling powers could torture his body. The soldiers could crucify him. And they can do no more to us. Jesus was exposed to hardships, to conflict and temptation as a man. He became the captain of our salvation through suffering. He could bear his burden better than we, for he bore it without complaint, without impatience, without unbelief, without repining. But this is no evidence he felt it less than any of the suffering sons of Adam. The period of his childhood and youth was one of comparative obscurity, but of the highest importance. He was in this obscurity laying the foundation of a sound constitution and vigorous mind. He grew and waxed strong in spirit. Luke chapter 1 verse 80. 
It is not as a man bending under the pressure of age that Jesus is revealed to us traversing the hills of Judea. He was in the strength of his manhood. Jesus once stood in age just where you now stand. Your circumstances, your cogitations at this period of your life, Jesus has had. He cannot overlook you at this critical period. He sees your dangers. He is acquainted with your temptations. He invites you to follow his example. Amen. The title of our devotion is Our Great Exemplar and our key text is Hebrews 3 verse 1 which says Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. In this text, Jesus is being presented to us by Paul telling us look at your example here and that's the word there, high priest and apostle that this is your example consider your example christ jesus that's what he's actually saying so the bible actually teaches that christ is our example there is still somewhere else that peter talked about that in the book of 1 peter chapter 2 reading from verse 21 it says for even hereunto were ye called because christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judged righteously who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed for ye were as sheep going astray but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls amen in this text we find two things firstly christ is called our example and then in verse 22 down sorry verse 24 there we are told that he bore our sins in his own body on the tree there he's not been our example but he's been our substitute You see, we must understand before now, we have been talking, of course, of both Christ as our example and substitute, but mostly as our substitute. But this issue of Christ being our example is a very serious thing because many people, not understanding this, think that the standard for them to reach is lower than that which was expected of Jesus Christ. Firstly, I want us to understand that Christ cannot be our substitute and not be our example. If he is our substitute, then he has to be our example. And if he is our example, he has to be our substitute. Let me explain those terms. The Bible says in Romans 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin, not the consequences now, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And let me explain the difference between wages and consequences. The consequence of sin is what would have happened to Jesus or any other righteous person who never 
sinned but was born of Adam. Every child of Adam will feel the consequence of what Adam and Eve did in Eden, which is that they will grow and eventually the body will decay and they will die. That is not the wages of sin, that is the consequence of sin. The wages of sin is seen in the book of Revelation chapter 20. It is talked about in the book of Daniel chapter 12, John chapter 5, where we are told several in many places of the Bible, we see the consequence where we are told that God is going to mete out punishment to those who do not live righteously. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we still see there, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 7, it is still there that tells us that at the resurrection, both the righteous and the wicked will have their own resurrections. The wicked, though have, they have died, will be resurrected again and will then get the penalty and the wages of sin, which is death. But that death is the one that Jesus wants to substitute for. We are still dying today even, Christ our, even though Christ is our substitute. The reason we are dying is that this death is just the consequence of sin. Those who believe in Jesus, we are told, will not perish but have everlasting life. But we see that people are still perishing. Yes, the reason is because they are facing the consequence of sin. But Jesus says in John chapter 6, reading from verse 40, he says there that anybody who believes in him, that the person will be resurrected and will not die. That is, will have eternal life. But the wicked will be resurrected too, but they will be resurrected to receive the wages of sin. So this is what Christ wants to substitute for. He wants to take our place. That death he died on the cross was a substitution for all those who believe in him so that they will not die that second death. And of course, those who will be alive when Christ comes will not even die at all. But anyone who dies, Jesus said in John I think 6 verse 40, that though he dies, yet shall he live again at the last day at the last day that he will raise them up even though they die he will raise them up at the last day and they will then have eternal life but the wicked will be raised up to face the the wages of sin that is what jesus substituted for now christ as our example we have to understand that if christ is not our example he does not qualify to be a substitute for us man sinned and it is only by man that man can be saved what does that mean there must be an equal substitute angels cannot die for man man must take man's place in the book of genesis if you read genesis reading chapter 9 genesis chapter 9 verse 6 we are told there when god was speaking to noah whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of god made he man here god is saying clearly that the substitution for man's blood is man same man not angel not someone or something higher or lower and animals cannot be used as a substitute neither can angels be used as a substitute man must be exchanged for man it was for this reason that jesus took upon himself what we call sinful flesh romans chapter 8 verse 3 there we read that what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh god sending his son in likeness of sinful flesh and for sin 
condemned sin in the flesh. So Jesus came here as our example in the same nature that we have. That's what we mean by Christ being our example. What we are trying to say is that Christ did not have any advantage over every other man. He came here with the same kind of flesh that we had and met temptations in the same constitution that we have as men. He inherited a flesh that every other person had been inheriting from Adam downward to his own lineage and to himself. In his inheritance, he had things people like Solomon who was of course wise but had a promiscuous life. He had people like Manasseh who also was a very wicked king, perhaps without argument the worst king in the Bible. God declared him so. You can check it in 2 Chronicles chapter 33 said he did worse than anybody who was before him. And then you had people like Rahab the Halot. All these people, Judah, his patriarchal father, was also not somebody of all the best morals and down to Jacob and Abraham. He inherited these sinful flesh from these people and met sin, met temptation in sinful flesh and he felt it the way we feel it. When we think that Jesus had an advantage over us by something he had that we don't have, we will not make efforts to overcome sin to the extent that he overcame. Why would Jesus then say in the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my father on his throne. Why would he say so if he is not expecting that we can do it? He knows that he had no advantage over us and he met temptations the same way that we also meet them. And again, he even met it worse than we get it today. Christ was made like unto his brethren is what we are told, Hebrews 2 verse 17. That means he had no advantage. And again in Hebrews okay, 2 verse let me just continue verse 17. It says, Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Here we see clearly the Bible stay saying again that Jesus did not have any advantage over us. He was made just like us. That's what it means when it says he was made like unto his brethren in the same likeness when you use the word like he was like us he didn't have any advantage over us if jesus had a better life it is not because he had something we don't have but because he did things that we are not doing and that's why here in the devotion we are told that he did overcome sin not better than us but that is not an that is not an evidence that he had something that we did not have here he says he could bear his burden better than we for he bore it without complaint, without impatience, without unbelief, without repining. But this is no evidence. He felt it less than any of the suffering sons of Adam. Just because we see him living a perfect life does not mean that he had something that we did not, we do not have. And if anyone is pleading, oh, don't use Jesus as a standard or as an example for me, I cannot overcome like you overcame. 
Then how about people like Job and Daniel and Zacharias and Elizabeth who the Bible, God gave his own resume about them and said they were perfect? Will you say they also had something you don't have? Will you say that they had a different nature from ourselves? Zechariah and Elizabeth were Levites, but the Bible records about them that in all ordinances they were blameless, keeping all the commandments of God. That was God's verdict. Do you know what it means for God to call you perfect? Can anybody then find fault in them if God has said Daniel was excellent and perfect, or Zechariah and Elizabeth and Job were perfect? Who am I to then say that they were not? It would be well with us if we can seek to receive this kind of accreditation from God. For God to say about you that you are perfect, that would be wonderful. But we must understand through this devotion, understand that there is nothing you are passing through that Christ did not even pass through more than you are passing through them. He felt the temptations. In fact, we are told here that he, they, they could annoy him. If you read the beginning of this devotion in the second paragraph, it says his body, okay, his, he felt both joy and grief as they feel. His body was susceptible to weariness as yours. And if you read the book of John 4, just before he met the Samaritan woman, what was happening there? The Bible records that Jesus was very tired, almost as if he wanted to die. So tired. And his disciples went to look for food for him. And when he had fasted 40 days, the same thing happened to him. He was very weak. So he could feel it. Again, he says, his mind, like yours, could be harassed and perplexed. So Jesus had perplexities. How did he deal with them? You see, the, the difference between us and Jesus is that in him was found no sin, like we read in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. But doesn't mean he was not perplexed. He dealt with his perplexities in such a way that it did not lead him to repine, to complain, to become impatient, or to go as far as even sinning. He didn't even go that far. He didn't even manifest impatience or complaint or murmuring. Nothing like that came from Jesus because he handled them well. It says, if you have hardships, so did he. Jesus was a carpenter's son, and we know that Joseph was a poor man, and that was the kind of hardship Jesus grew under. Satan could tempt him. His eyes, his enemies could annoy him. The ruling powers could torture his body. The soldiers could crucify him, and they can do no more to us. This is telling us, and you reason it out, you see that it is true. Anything that was that can be that can happen to us has already happened to Jesus, and even worse. Since Jesus was crucified, how many people have been crucified? Yes, some have been, but he felt it just as they also feel it. In fact, on the cross, you could see that he died earlier than the, thief, the other two thieves. And it was a shock to the Romans. He was weak that day. He had not eaten. So many things had gone wrong emotionally and physically in his body. And it made him give up and die quickly. He was weak because of what had happened to him. So he felt the pain. And he also could cry because he was hurt. Well, I say emotionally. And because he had desires that was not being fulfilled for example when he was talking about jerusalem he said he longed to save them but they would not permit him and he was weeping for them so he had feelings he had emotions jesus was exposed to hardships to conflict and temptation as a man but he became the captain of our salvation 
through suffering and that's what we read in hebrews 2 17 that so that he can become a merciful and faithful high priest that was why he was made in the same likeness as we and took upon himself sinful flesh so that in condemning sin in the flesh he could then save us by dying on the cross the first thing jesus had to be is our example before he is qualified to be our substitute let this encourage every one of us that if jesus being in the same likeness as us met temptations and overcame them to the extent that not one could be found in him not one sin and he could declare by himself the prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me in john 14 verse 30 if someone in the same flesh like us could say that it should give us encouragement and hope to know that we also can achieve it not only can we achieve it he has said so that we can actually achieve it. it's not just a fiction of our figment of our Im- imagination that we are saying oh we can overcome without having the word of god for it the word of god tells us that we can overcome be ye holy as i am holy is what god says be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect is what god says overcome as i overcame is what jesus says to us in revelation 3 verse 21 the word of god is powerful receive it into yourself if jesus says to you overcome that word is powerful receive it and believe that you can overcome through jesus christ whatever hardships or perplexities or emotional trouble you are going through understand let it comfort you that jesus was also also went through such Uh, perplexities and hardships and troubles and he overcame them therefore we can also rely on him our great exemplar and through his own merits we can receive power to overcome remember the bible says in john chapter 1 verse 12 that it's it says there that as many as received christ which means as many as allow christ coming to them or as many as are abiding in christ to them gave he power do you want power then let christ abide in you to them gave he power to be like jesus that is to be called the sons of god because jesus is the son of god and he wants us to be like him therefore if we receive him he gives us the power to be like him which is to be called the sons of god believe that you can be called the sons of you can be called sons of god and jesus is also called sons of god and then you are doing something that you are not like him it can't be possible if jesus is called the son of god and we are told in 1 john chapter 3 verse 1 that behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of god or john 1 verse 12 that anyone who receives him will be called son of god also are there two kinds of sons of god there's only one kind of son of god and that is what jesus is so when we read in john 1 verse 12 that as many as received him to them gave he power to become sons of god it means to them gave he power to become what jesus is in character to become like jesus just like him that's what it means and jesus had no sin in him and that's why peter said in the book of one 1 peter chapter 2 there that i read before that he set for us an example an example meaning that we are to be like him and it goes far to explain what the example is it says there in verse 21 for whereunto were you called because christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps that's what it means when something is an example you say step one do this and you also will do what was done 
It, now, what was it that Christ did? 22. What is his steps? Who did no sin? That is the step you are to follow. Neither was guile found in his mouth. That is another step you are to follow. Who, when he was reviled, he felt it, remember. It touched him. But how did he react? He reviled not again. That is, he did not insult people when they insulted him. He did feel it. It was painful. But that's our example. Who suffered, when he suffered, he threatened not. So that's your example too. When we suffer, we are not to threaten people. He did not complain also, remember. How, what did he do? But committed himself to him that judged righteously. That is the end of the part of the example. When you go to verse 24, it then talks about him as our substitute. So this is our example. And we have every right to believe that if we receive Christ, we also can be like him, where we will be found sinless, perfect, holy, just like Jesus. I pray that we all would have enough faith to believe that it is possible because it is clear in the word of God that God expects you to believe it and to make efforts to receive it. And I pray that we all will indeed receive Christ and become sons of God to every extent that Christ is a son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Something else that we should take note of in this devotion, it says, Jesus once stood in age just where you now stand. Your circumstances, your cogitations at this period of your life, Jesus has had. Is that true? Some would say it's not possible. For example, a woman who is pregnant, for example, will say, how can Jesus be my example in pregnancy? Does he know my cogitations? Did he pass through something like that? Because here it says your circumstances, your cogitations at this period of your life, Jesus has had. And there are many situations and circumstances every human being finds themselves today. And are you wondering, how can Jesus be my example under this circumstance? I have, I am pregnant and I'm trying to I'm not married and I'm pregnant and I don't want the shame. If a married woman was pregnant, she's not going to be troubled and feeling like she's not at peace in her mind. The person who will feel as if she's not at peace is the one, maybe because it's a child that you are going to give birth to out of wedlock. Then what happens? Will we say now that they don't, the married one and the one that is not married do not feel the same things? They are, as far as physically, as far as it goes physically, they are enduring the same thing. But one is passing through a temptation of trying to avoid shame and go to abortion. Now, did Jesus, was Jesus tempted with abortion? How about a rich man? A rich man feels like, or a powerful person feels like they can use their wealth or their power to uh, pass, to make them escape troubles that the common person cannot escape. And then how about the, the poor? They also have their temptations. At least those ones can easily identify with Jesus because Jesus was poor. But these other examples I referred to, a woman, pregnant, out of wedlock, tempted to abort, and a rich man. How can they see Jesus in their circumstance? How, that, how can they see Jesus having the same cogitations, as the same thoughts like troubled with the same minds emotional troubles as they are in now what we need to understand is that the temptation that we pass through is not necessarily about the particular situation but about what we are trying to avoid for example somebody who wants to steal 
is avoiding maybe going hungry. A lady who I mentioned wanting to do abortion is avoiding shame, responsibility and some other thing that we can think of maybe I don't know what else but most times the shame that the person is trying to avoid and they want to escape that shame so they are considering abortion and another one is trying to escape responsibility because they feel like I cannot take care of this child and the same thing they want to do. Another one is thinking for the rich, I want to escape this trouble I find myself in. I don't want to pass through the consequence of whatever this world is is bringing to me. Therefore, I would pay my way through or I would use my powers to pass through this trouble. Just a simple thing like being in a traffic jam and then there's somebody of might and power there who has an entourage of police at his command. He can just summon them and then they put on the siren and then you start to pass through that hold up. Now, let us look at Jesus. Jesus also had something he was thinking about concerning shame. When he was thinking about dying on the cross, we read in the book of Hebrews 12 verse 2 that one of the things Jesus despised that he was considering that was a trouble in his mind was the shame. It says they're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, which is pain now. What pain is a pregnant woman passing through or any human being, whether it is even through torture, passing through that Jesus did not pass through that day? Let's look at pain, for example. Jesus had not eaten that day. He was buffeted in the, the, the palace, beaten, blindfolded, punched, beaten with rods, and then taken to Herod's place, he faced ridicule there. And you two have tried to avoid ridicule perhaps. And then back to Pilate's place, he was flogged 30, 40 strokes on his back. And after that, given a cross to carry, then nails were pierced through his feet and his hand, and then hung on the cross. This was both a painful and a shameful experience far greater than whatever shame the woman who is pregnant and trying to avoid shame is passing through. And how about the pain? You can't compare. So Jesus still passed, though he was not in the exact situation that we find ourselves, he was also tempted to overcome shame, to go avoid shame, to avoid pain, just like you are tempted to avoid pain. He was tempted like the rich. In fact, the rich should not compare themselves with Jesus. Jesus' case was infinitesimally deeper than theirs in that he had power at his command. The day he was taken, he told the people, do you not know that I can ask my father to give me 12 legions of angels? This was a temptation. You also are passing through the temptation of using your powers to overcome troubles that you are passing through. Jesus would meet a traffic jam and wait. He would not use his powers to overcome it. Jesus would meet trouble and escape with his feet. He runs away from trouble. We are told that when in, in Jerusalem, he saw that they wanted to kill him. What did he do? He ran away from Jerusalem and stayed away from there for a long time because he knew they wanted to kill him. The only time he now went there was when it was time for him to be crucified. Showing you that he took things as a man would take them. So Jesus is indeed our example. There is no situation you find yourself in that Jesus did not also find himself in. And look, when I read the Bible, what comforts me the most is when I find myself in a situation and I see Jesus also in that same situation. You need the, the draft of the Spirit for you to see that. 
I know there have been situations in my life where I had issues and I read the Bible and I see that Jesus also passed through the same kind of issue that I'm passing through. He was also tempted to to give in to his family members or friends and sometimes I find myself tempted with that. But when I see that Jesus was also tempted, I feel so comforted that he also passed through this temptation of family and friends but he did what was right. From there, I then draw strength to do what is right. When you see Jesus in your situation, I tell you it gives so much comfort and not just comfort, it gives power when you understand that he was in the same situation that you find yourself and you see how he reacted. You then copy his example and do the same thing that he did. I pray that as we study the life of Christ, our eyes will be open to see Jesus in the same circumstance as we find ourselves also having the same cogitations that we also find ourselves to the youth who is just entering into teenage whose hormones are trying to get the better of him jesus also faced it to the young man who is trying to make his mark in the world he also had that situation where you come into a stage where everybody is trying to make it and then everybody is trying to measure themselves by how much wealth they have and how much uh, whether they have a job and all of that Jesus came to that stage of his life also and he met it with dignity and still did what was right. Whatever situation we find ourselves, Jesus has been there. He's our example and we can draw strength from that knowledge and receive power from him. Amen. Well, I would like to know what Jesus had in mind. What motivated him to go through all this and became successful? The Bible said that anyone who wants to build a house or a tower will first sit down and count the cost. And then, what is in it for me? It's another thing someone would be thinking about. What was it in it for Jesus to go through all this? We are encouraged to follow Jesus. We are encouraged to follow his example. That we will be successful. We will. So, it must be that we have we have a motive, a a goal we have developed a mission that we want to do achieve something jesus has achieved what was in jesus's mind when he go through when when he went through all these things first i would like to think of his love for us his deep concern i know that if i live this life i'm going to help humanity i know if i live this life my father will be pleased i think in in the, the first one being the father in John chapter 5 John chapter 5 Jesus himself said I receive not honor from men but I know you that you have not the love of God in you how can you believe as 44 how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only so I want to dwell on this first for us to achieve what Jesus achieved to, we would have to seek the honor of God supremely. In all the situations Jesus himself was faced with, he sought the honor and the glory of God, which is he sought to represent the character of God. There were temptations here and there beating around him. Satan tempted him with so many insinuations. We have seen today that we are told that he was annoyed, he could be annoyed, he could feel grief, he could be harassed. With every temptation we ourselves are subject to, he was subjected to it. But he sought the honor of the Father 
in every case he looked beyond himself i didn't come here to even please my own self i think we need to renew this purpose for us to achieve what jesus achieved we need to renew it in our hearts that though we be beaten here and there by the floods or the storms of temptations that we resolve my life is hid in christ my life is only to give glory to god i'm not caring what people are saying or what my own body my own feelings are because that's the only way you can you can overcome even your own self because sometimes you have feelings and temptations and desires that are contrary to god's word but you want it you have pleasure in them they feel like a way of relief for you but jesus said i do not come to seek honor that come from men i seek honor that comes from god only only we need to maintain this purpose for us to achieve the kind of thing jesus achieved i think along the line somehow we develop different interests today we may be there tomorrow something else may come but we are told that the, jesus said that the prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me to live like christ we need to learn from him we need to really do extensively studying every day praying for his spirit this understanding how he reacted to every situation which we are faced today and having this kind of mindset now that okay it's not a a hopeless journey it's something that it's it's a guarantee success is guaranteed it's guaranteed because jesus himself practiced this thing he's telling us and he succeeded he was subject to temptation as we are he practiced everything we are being told today and he succeeded so we can succeed if we resolve to live our life for just one purpose to honor god to make our lives count because we are told he created us in his own image he created us for his own glory yes isaiah 43 verse 7 it reads even everyone that is called by my name for i have created him for my glory i have formed him yea i have made him so jesus resolved this that i am living my life to glorify my father and he bent all his energies to fulfill this purpose every day of his life using all the resources that the father accorded him to achieve this this is one thing i think can keep us and help us so that whatever comes our way we are asking how can this glorify god can it if it cannot we submit it then the second thing is i see that jesus also lived his life for our own benefit how can this help my children he lived his life you know to achieve what jesus did he he obeyed his father's commandments which also meant love for god and love for humanity and that's the second part i, I want to dwell on the love for humanity how can what i am doing help humanity and if if i can see that my dying on the cross is going to save man i will do so jesus said for us to be able to reflect his character he said if you love me you keep my commandment you keep my commandment jesus kept his father's commandment because he loved his father we now we have to love god for what he has done for us before we can stand the pressures of the temptations that we are surrounded with we need to have a deeper love to see okay if i live my life like this it is going to please god it's going to also help my fellow man if i am 
complaining, repining, quarreling, and doing all sorts of things that are that cause uh, a tension in the environment. The people I'm with will not be happy. Things will not be happy. So I'm going to endure. I'm going to put myself under. I'm going to subject myself to these things to make things work out. We living a faithful life will glorify God. It will also help humanity. We need to be intentional about it moment by moment, checking out all our dispositions, checking out our reactions, watching and praying and say, okay, what should we do here? What should we not do here? And be concerned about God and concerned about our neighbors. Jesus had this in his mind. He was never selfish. He was not self-centered. He was always thinking of others, thinking of others. And that helped him to wage the war, endure the cross, despise the shame. And he's now set down at the right hand of the Father, as we are told in Hebrews chapter 12. He despised these things. He endured the cross, despised the shame. He knew that if I'm able to do this, it's going to help God's sin. It's going to help sick. It's going to help great. It's going to help somebody who be and die. It's going to help somebody to know how to respond. And come to think about it, a lot of things are at stake in following Christ. One of them, I think, again is if we follow Christ, we'll have peace of mind. If we don't follow him, we'll never have peace of mind. If we follow Christ, we'll have eternal life. If we do not follow him, we cannot have eternal life. So Jesus thought about all these things on our behalf and said, I want these people to have peace. Imagine putting yourself in that position and say, I want people to have peace. I'm going to endure hardship. I'm going to put myself under subjection so that these people can learn how to live a faithful life. It reminds me of what parents can do for their children. Sometimes parents sacrifice themselves, their pleasure and their joy to make sure that they train their children in school. We need to come to that point where, where we are living our lives for others. If we are not living our life for others, for God, we cannot achieve the same thing Christ achieved. We need to literally deny ourselves whatever we know that can help the other person. I pray that God will really put in our minds this spirit of Christ that thinks of others and thinks of God first so that with all the privileges of heaven we can achieve all these things in Jesus name. Amen. I am encouraged that Jesus once more did all these things for us, the love he had for us. He knew if he did not go through the pain or the shame or the agony we would not have a substitute, no one to pay for. He was thinking about you, he was thinking about me. And I should also be thinking about people around me and about, about God when I have to, I am brought in a situation to obey God, not about myself. I'm encouraged really that Jesus could go through all these things. So my mind is questioning me or bringing to my, my knowledge the need to also live this way. The book of Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5 says, For the love of Christ constrained us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we are all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. This is the reason why all these um, examples Jesus is giving to us, all these uh, 
inspiration is given to us so that we should no longer live for ourselves. The moment we put ourselves first, we can't achieve all these things Jesus did. Let the love of Jesus constrain us when we see how he lived for the betterment of the world and for the honor of God. Our minds should be evoked to really love and live for this purpose. First John 3 verse 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We need to reciprocate this thing. I really pray that the Spirit of God will awaken within us a consideration for God first and for others, so that these principles will be made manifest in our lives in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus was exposed to hardships, to conflict and temptation as a man. He became the captain of our salvation through suffering. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Even the birth, his birthplace was questionable. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Remember the question Nathaniel asked Philip. God specifically picked Nazareth, a corrupt place notorious for evil things. To be the place where his son will be born so that me today i cannot say oh it's because of my environment it's because of my environment that's why i am the way i am jesus was born in a place worse than where i was born did anybody question our birth place his birth itself was questionable he was called the bastard all day long but he's our example even in the home life on the cross he still remembered his duty i'll read from deserve ages 752 and john knowing that the end was near had brought her again to the cross in his dying hour christ remembered his mother looking into her grief-stricken face and then upon john he said to her woman behold thy son then to John, behold thy mother. John understood Christ's word and accepted the trust. He at once took Mary to his home and from that hour cared for her tenderly. O oh, pitiful, loving Savior! Amid all his physical pain and mental anguish, he had a thoughtful care for his mother. He had no money with which to provide for her comfort, but he was enshrined in the heart of John and he gave his mother to him as a precious legacy. The perfect example of Christ's filial love shines forth with undimmed luster from the midst of ages. For nearly 30 years Jesus by his daily toll had helped bear the burdens of the home and now even in his last agony he remembers to provide for his sorrowing widowed mother. The same Spirit, the same Spirit will be seen in every disciple of our Lord. Those who follow Christ will feel that it is a part of their religion to respect and provide for their parents. From the hearts where His love is cherished, Christ, Father and Mother will never fail to, of receiving thoughtful care and tender sympathy. He laid an example to support our family. Jesus, 
lived in the home of a peasant, a poor man. Faithfully and cheerfully he did his part in helping support the family. As soon as he was old enough, he learned a trade and worked in the carpenter's shop with Joseph. Whatever he did was done well. He wanted to be perfect, even in the handling of tools. By his example, he taught that we ought to be industrious, that he was, that we should do our work carefully and well, and that such work is honorable. He knows your circumstances, your cogitations. He even prayed in our read Psalm 69 verse 20 and 21 say, Reproach had broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness, and I look for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. He felt both joy and grief as the field. His body was susceptible to weariness as yours. Jesus had a perfect plan. He laid a perfect foundation. He was in this obscurity laying the foundation of sound constitution and vigorous mind. He grew and waxed strong in spirit. Jesus was in all things tempted as we, but he was without sin. He also showed a sweet unselfish spirit. His willing hands were always ready to serve others. He was patient and trustful, and he was truthful. Firm as a rock in standing for right, he never failed to be gentle and courteous toward all. In his home and wherever he might be, he was like a cheerful sunbeam. He was thoughtful and kind toward the aged and poor, and he showed kindness even to the dumb animals. He would care tenderly for a little wounded bird, and every living thing was happier when he was near. He who had been the commander of heaven was on earth a loving and obedient son. By his humanity, Christ touched humanity. By his divinity, he laid hold upon the throne of God. As the Son of Man, he gave us an example of obedience. As the Son of God, he gives us power to obey. Amen. From the Bible passage, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 18, it says, For in that himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. From the book Education, page 78, I would read something here. It reads, Christ alone had experience in all the sorrows and temptations that befall human beings. Never another of woman born was so fiercely beset by temptation. Never another bore so heavy a burden of the world, sin, and pain. Never was there another whose sympathies were so broad or so tender, a sharer in all the experiences of humanity, he could feel not only for, but with every burdened and tempted and struggling one. Amen. So we can see here that indeed, 
Christ is a friend. No, no matter how we may have a friend we call best friend, that person cannot understand all our pains, cannot understand all our trials because they are not tempted. They've not been tempted in all points like as we are. But indeed, Christ has. And the Bible says here in the Hebrews 2.18, He's able to succor those who are tempted. Succor means He's able to help. He's able to relieve us of our pains in difficult situations. And no wonder the, the popular hymn says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And it says, Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. So indeed, Christ is, all, is, is a friend we should always bring close to us because he is able and always to help us. So we should not be discouraged. You know, sometimes in this Christian race and when sometimes we will be befalled with temptations or we may, make, we may take some wrong actions and people may blame us for that. Yes, humans are that way, but Christ is never that way because he understands exactly how we feel he understands exactly how weak we are he will not blame us but rather he will succumb in other words he will come to help us in our most difficult situations so christ is a friend that we should always put our trust in so i pray that god helps us to to understand that christ is not far away he's ever near and is ever willing to help there's no condition no weakness, no pain that he cannot understand. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and everlasting Father, thank you for instructing us this morning. Thank you for reminding our hearts with your ways. Oh God, help us to live day in, day out, having your glory in mind and doing all things to please you, not to please ourselves, oh Lord. Help us today to walk with fear and trembling in your presence help us to have a mind that we are in the hours of probation and we are in the days of atonement and time is closing faster today is your sabbath come and abide with us and help us to live in your presence be with us even through the hours of sabbath and after the hours of sabbath these are many more we ask for we know and we that you have asked and you have answered our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen.